There is a, there is a lot of potential in any introduction. There, there, are, there, there are tons of possibilities every time you get introduced to somebody. Anytime someone introduces you to someone, you may be meeting your, your future best friend. You may be meeting um, a future boyfriend, a girlfriend. You may be meeting uh, your husband or your wife. You never know who you're going to be meeting. You might be meeting your future, uh, someone that you're going to open a business with. You might be meeting someone that you're going to live with in college and be roommates with. You might be mi- uh, meeting someone um, who you're going to be enemies with. You never know what's going to happen when you meet someone. There's so many possibilities anytime you have an introduction. Many of you know this story, but um, about seven years ago, a little bit less than seven years ago, I, uh, I wasn't working at the church yet, and uh, I was just a single guy. I was living with a friend of mine um, uh, in a condo in, in Jacksonville, and uh, and I, uh, I have a, a friend of mine, my best friend, and uh, has a mom, and his mom is also my dad's administrative assistant. And so I've known her forever. She's kind of like one of those second moms, you know, like when you have a best friend and their mom is kind of like your mom. And so, um, so I, uh, I, I was talking to her one day, and she kind of comes up. And a lot of you know her. Her name's Miss Marion. And if you, if you go to the church, you, you, you've seen her around, if you've basically ever been to our church. Um, and she's got this, like, country, high voice, and she, everything is the best thing ever. Your sermon, it was the best thing ever. Your outfit, it's the best thing ever. Worship service, it's the best thing ever. Uh, a game last night, it was the best finish in, in the history of sports. Like, everything is the best thing ever. And so it's kind of hard to trust when she comes and tells you something is the best thing ever. She means it, but it's kind of hard to trust. And so she, uh, <clears throat> she came up to me one day and she said, Ryan, oh my gosh, and she just like starts doing this little dance. Every time she gets excited, she kind of does this little, this little dance, and she kind of claps her hands, and she'll kind of just like start raising the roof, um, if you know what that is, and she'll just kind of be like, oh, Ryan, and, and, so, and so she came to me one time, and she's like, Ryan, I have the perfect for you. Now, now when you get older, um, you're going to realize, like right now, you're like, oh, somebody like hooked me up with a girl, like that's awesome. It's not really awesome. Like, it's, it's, it's awkward, and it's, it's just a little bit. That there are a lot of things that can go wrong because there is the assumption you guys are going to get together, hit it off, and start dating. But the reality usually isn't that way. It's kind of like, ah, like, what if I just don't think they're attractive? What if we don't get along? What if they don't think I'm attractive? Like, there, there's a lot that can go wrong, even, like, when we first meet. And so I don't want to be put in this awkward situation. So she tells me. Man, I got, Brian, I've got the perfect person for you. Ah. I'm like, oh, great. So I'm never going to hear about the end of this. And, and so she's, and so she is, um, she, she's telling me about this girl, and, and the girl was a daughter of somebody in her life group, and, and she just moved to town, and she's like, oh, she's the, she's the greatest. And I'm like, all right, all right. And, and so for a couple months, I just kind of like push her off, and I'm like, eh, I'm not going to really deal with her. I don't, I don't want to, I'm just going to ignore it and hope it goes away. But she kept kind of, if you know Miss Marion, she doesn't give up. So she just keeps on telling me over and over, Ryan, Ryan, have you met her yet? Have you met her? Why don't you talk to her? I got her phone number. Do you want to, can I give her your phone? And she's just, she can't even finish her sentences because she gets so excited. And she's, uh, she's talking to me. And, and, uh, and one day, she says, finally, I'm going to introduce you. I'm taking things into my own hands. I'm like, great. And, and at that time, I would teach in Promised Land. And she, um, she basically created a story. Uh, that's a Christian way of saying she lied. She said her husband was sick. He was not sick. And she said she needed a co-leader for Promised Land that morning, which she didn't need. He was at home, and she just told him to stay home. And this girl, she brings along, and she told this girl, hey, I need you to help me 
with Promised Land. So this girl shows up, and I'm like on stage, and you know, I'm like doing, you know, kind of the dog and pony show, and being dancing up on stage, and the kids are like, ah, you know, it's just kind of crazy. And I'm like, I feel a little ridiculous because when you're a 25 year old man, you're not trying to meet a girl for the first time when you're dancing in front of a bunch of kids. It's just not the most like attractive, manly thing uh, to meet a girl doing. And so I'm like, ah, like this is it's kind of weird. And, and I remember seeing her in the crowd, and I was like, okay. I see, where, I see what you're working with, Miss Marion, and, uh, and I'm getting a little bit nervous, and I'm like, i got to teach a lesson here, and I'm like looking at this girl, and, and, um, and, uh, and so I meet her afterwards, and there's like a bunch of five-year-olds just running around our feet, and like it's too loud to hear, and I'm like, hey, I'm Ryan, she's like, hey, what's up, and, and we talk, and it was a little bit awkward, and then I was like, okay, she'll, she'll, she'll be off my back, I, I think we've met, and, it, and it's over, and, uh, and, and it just kind of stuck with me in my mind, and the introduction stuck with me, and, um, and a couple months later, I thought, you know what, I, I think we should go on a date, and I, I did, like, the, the manliest, like, man, I got game, like, I'm spitting game, all right, I sent her a Facebook message, huh, any boys ever send a girl a Facebook message, where you at, I know y'all send Instagram messages, boys, yeah, yeah, I, I know that, I know that, so, uh, so yeah, I sent her a Facebook message, and I I sent her my phone number, so, uh, you know, and she texted me, so, yeah, and, uh, and now I'm married to her, so that's, that's how that works, right? <laughs> small beginnings, baby, small beginnings, so you never know what's going to happen when you have an introduction, you never know what happened, what's going to happen when you have an introduction, and what is possible in that moment, um, and so tonight, uh, as we begin this weekend called Spirit Come, I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not know the Holy Spirit. You, you may know the Holy Spirit, but not know much about Him. You, you, may, you may, may, may even have Him in you, but you really aren't really connected. You kind of think it's a little bit weird. You sing the songs, but you're like, uh, I, I'm not really sure about this, old, this whole Holy, Holy Spirit thing. Um, you may be totally confused by the entire idea. But the thing is, the Spirit can be a confusing thing. The, the Spirit can be a confusing topic in church. And it's even a little bit more confusing because we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. Pastor Ben, I, I want you to come up to the stage, wherever you are, come up to the stage real quick and bring your guitar with you. I didn't tell you, but bring up uh, your guitar and yourself, wherever you are. Pastor Ben, that's you. So, I do want to say this as he's coming up. I do want to say this. I, I don't know it all. I don't know the Holy Spirit near as well as I would like. I am not an expert by any means. And who can really be an expert on God anyway? Like God is God and we're just human beings. But, but, but I desire to know him more and, and, and I hope to know him more during this, uh, this weekend. And, and I hope to just to understand more of him and, and really uh, grow in my relationship with the Holy Spirit um, but we are going to start at the beginning. But first, I want to give you an example. Ben, you almost here? Sorry, I gave you no warning. Is Ben here? Are any of the guitar players here? Hey, Mitch. Mitch, you here? Oh, there's Ben. Sorry, Ben. Bring your guitar out. But bring a, can you bring it on the little stand? Okay. All right. So, uh, so everybody, as, he, as he's grabbing that, uh, this is Pastor Ben. Everybody say, hi, Ben. 
uh, Ben, can you say hi? What's up, y'all? Uh, ben, you excited for tonight? You excited for this weekend? Be excited. Tell, tell, us, tell us one thing, one fun fact about yourself. Um, whew, I'm a twin. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's a great fun fact. He's a twin. Do I have any twins in the room? Yeah, about six of you. Great. Um, now, I want to introduce you to, to someone else. This is Ben's guitar. This is good. This is Ben's guitar. Uh, everybody say hi, Ben's guitar. Um, Ben's guitar, tell us something about yourself. Why, why can I introduce you to Ben, but I can't introduce you to Ben's guitar? Yes. I'm done with you, Ben. You can leave. Thank you very much. Thank, everybody say, thanks, Ben. All right. Here's why. Ben is a person. Ben's guitar is a thing. Ben is alive and has a personality. Ben's guitar is an object. It is not alive. And um, that's very important because I can't introduce you to a thing, but I can introduce you to a person. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. No different than Jesus is a person. No different than God is a person. And obviously, uh, they're God, but they have a, a, a personality. They are a person. They are an entity. They are not a thing. And we get into trouble when we start calling the Holy Spirit a thing. Sometimes we call uh, him an it. We, we say, we pretend like he's some kind of force or some kind of object. And we have to realize he is a person. He has a personality, he has a will, he has a plan, and the, and the reason we can introduce you to the Holy Spirit tonight and this weekend is because he is a person. The reason why you can get to know him is because he is a person. The reason why you can have a relationship with him is because he is a person. And so we have to start there. The Holy Spirit is a person. And so I want to I start now at the very beginning of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This is the creation account, and um, God has created a whole bunch of stuff, and then he's going to create humanity. And here's what it says. Then God said, let us. Let us. Then God said, let us. This already makes no sense. God is singular. Us is plural. This, this, does he have a split personality? What is going on? I thought he was alone in the beginning. I thought in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, another plural, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. From the very beginning, there was God and three persons. And this is confusing. We could spend years talking about this. It's really not fully understandable, but I'm just going to give you a one-minute version of the Trinity, which is what the, the Christians call God um, in his three uh, persons. And so the first part of the Trinity is God the Father. This is like God in heaven. This is God, the, the one that we think of like with the long gray beard and all that kind of stuff. This is the creator 
God. Then we have Jesus. This is God on earth or God in mankind, God in a body, God being a human being. And then there's this third part of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. Here's uh, what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God in us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. Now, a lot of people try to say, is it like an egg where like one part's the shell, one's part the, the yolk, one part's the, the other stuff? Or is it like water where like sometimes it's ice, sometimes it's steam, sometimes it's water? It, it, we can't really use an analogy to, to fully describe the Trinity. But here's all you need to know. All three parts of the Trinity are fully God. And it is still one God. And I know, it doesn't make sense. I know that we can't comprehend it. But from the very beginning, God says, let us, because there were three parts of God, three persons of God. There was God the Son, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, which is God in us. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 illustrates this perfectly. Here's what it says. As soon as Jesus, this is Jesus being baptized. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, who do you think that voice was? God the Father. This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Right here, we see there are three distinct persons in the Trinity. There are three distinct uh, persons in God. But once again, it is one God. And I, I know it doesn't make sense, but let's just, let's just move on because that's an important kind of structure for where we are going. So the Holy Spirit is God in us. Everybody say that together. The Holy Spirit is? One more time. The Holy Spirit is? It's very important that we know that God has decided to make his presence in human beings, which is insane. But it wasn't always that way. There, there was a time where, where, where God's spirit did not reside in people, at least not the way he does today. There was a time that was, was totally different, a time where if you had said, God is in me, people would have looked at you like you were crazy. And, and even the Jewish people would have been like, uh, God's not in you. God might be in our leaders, but God is not in you. There was a time where God's presence did not, um, did not reside in people that followed after him. If we go all the way back to Numbers chapter 11, Numbers chapter 11, this is a story uh, of the Israelites, which is God's people. Um, and, and God has led them out of Egypt. We, we all know that thing, the ten plagues, and, and uh, they walk across the, the, the Red Sea on dry land, and they get away from Pharaoh and his armies, and, and they find themselves in the desert on the way to a land that was promised to them by God. And, uh, and when they get out there, they find that they get hungry because the desert doesn't have a lot of food and um, they had like a, a million or more people. And so um, there was a food shortage. And so God began to do something crazy. He began to put food on the ground. They would wake up in the morning and there would be this like this thin bread substance that was all over the ground. It said it would form out of the dew. So they'd get up, they'd leave their tents and there would be food for their day all 
over the place. This is like, I mean, obviously this is like a miracle. Imagine if you just wo woke up and, and you walked outside your house and like your lunch and your breakfast and your dinner was there and you were like set for the day. Like imagine that. And they knew it was coming from God because God said he would do it. But they start to get a little impatient. And they start to remember things a little bit differently. And they start to say things like, well, we wish we were back in Egypt. We wish we were back in Egypt because they had meat there. We got fish. And then they say a bunch of things that aren't even meat, but they just start to mention a bunch of random things. Like, we also had cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. And, I mean, none of those sound that great to me anyway. But they're like, we, we had all these things in Egypt. Never mind the fact that they were slaves. Never mind the fact they didn't own anything. They didn't even own themselves. Never mind the fact they were worked to the bone and they were beaten daily. Never mind the fact that Pharaoh could just kill them if he pleased and nobody would do anything. But they wanted their meat. And so they start complaining. And they start being like, God, Moses, help us. We're so tired of this manna. Imagine, imagine God gives food to a million people miraculously every day. And then they complain and say, but we wish we had meat. And so God's like, oh, you want meat? Okay, okay. And, and so he gets angry. And Moses gets angry too. And Moses is like, man, God, why'd you give me these people? They are so annoying. And we're going to pick up in Numbers chapter 11, verse 14. He says, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. And then he says, if this is how you're going to treat me, God, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, then do not let me face my own ruin. So I wonder where the Israelites got it. Maybe they got it from Moses, who is doing the exact same thing as them. They're like, oh, we want meat. We don't like this man. And, God, and Moses is like, oh, you made me the leader of your people. I just defeated the greatest empire in the world. Oh, my gosh, just go ahead and kill me, God. This sucks. I can't believe you made me a leader, and you made me powerful, and you gave me all of this authority. This, this is terrible, God. And God's like, all right, all right, all right. Here's what I'm going to do. He says, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and speak with you. And I will take some, everybody say some. Some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. So Moses is like, cool. So he calls in these people. And God comes and meets them. And, uh, and, and they begin to experience the spirit of God. Just these 70 people. If we skip forward to verse 26, it says this, however, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad, interesting names, Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the 70 elders, but they did not go to the tent yet, yet. The spirit also rested on them. We cannot control the spirit, by the way. That's just a side item. We don't control the spirit because the spirit is God. We don't control what he does. We don't control the powers that he shows. We don't control anything about the spirit. He decides, I'm going to go down and put my power on these two men. And so people see him and they're like, this isn't right. And so a young man runs to Moses and he says, well, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And then they say, Moses, my Lord, stop them. And then Moses says something so important. He says this. Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. I wish that all the people could have the spirit of God on them. And then we jump forward a few hundred years and there's this guy named Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was a prophet. Ezekiel had the, the spirit of God on him as well. And Ezekiel in chapter 36 
verse 26 and 27 says this. He's going to give this prophecy from God. And he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. This is God speaking to people through Ezekiel. He says, I will give you a new heart and give you a new spirit. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. And I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Here's what God is saying. Things are about to change. Things are about to change. That day that Moses was hoping for one day, that day that that all of God's people would have the spirit upon them, that day is coming. There was another guy named Jeremiah. Jeremiah, and he writes in Jeremiah 31, verse 31 and 33. He says this, and these are again coming Words coming from God. And it's a very similar story because they're both predicting the same thing. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. This is very important. He's saying, it's going to be new. This is not going to be the old way. When I led them across the sea, when I led them out of Egypt, this is going to be totally brand new says, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time or in the future. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I'm going to write it on their hearts. I'm going to write something on their minds. I am taking the old and I am replacing it with the new. And then we fast forward one more time to John chapter 14, starting in verse 16. This is Jesus talking to some friends of his in a room where they're having dinner. And he's giving them these words. He's telling them, I'm about to leave. And and then he gives them this, this, this news that they're not really sure what to think. But I just want you to imagine the excitement in Jesus' mind. He has been waiting for this moment since the creation of time. He has been waiting for this moment for the 33 years of his life. He has been waiting for this moment when the old would become new, when the spirit would stop being on just some people and be on all people. Here's what he says. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That word for another is like a similar advocate. He's saying this, this advocate will be the same as me. An advocate is kind of like a, a term of like, Someone who will support, someone who will counsel, someone who will defend. He says, I will give you another advocate to to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Yes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in, in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This moment that he's been waiting for forever. He finally is about to see it happen. This plan that God had from the beginning of time. I remember uh, two years ago, I was standing on this stage. And, and two weeks before that, Karen and I had found out we were going to have a baby. And it was a surprise. And uh, we were like, ah, this is crazy. But then like a couple weeks passed and we're like, oh, we're super excited. But we hadn't told anyone yet. My parents didn't know. Her parents didn't know. No one in the world knew except us two and uh, her doctor. And I remember standing up here on the stage and thinking, man, I cannot wait 
till Thanksgiving when I can tell my family. I cannot wait till Thanksgiving when I can tell her family. I cannot wait till Christmas when I start telling my life group and my friends and, 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 and all the people I've grown up with. I cannot wait until the first United in January when I can tell all the students when we make news. I cannot wait to share this with them. But not, not to downplay anything, but we're talking about a baby human. And I had been waiting for two weeks, and I could hardly stand the news that I wanted to share. And Jesus had been waiting for eternity to share God with us. And it's finally here. Here's, here's for those of you who are visual, here's kind of how things change between the old and the new. In the old, when Moses was around, limited people got the Holy Spirit. Very limited. Just the leaders, the kings, the prophets. That's it. Nobody else. The amount, it was some of the Spirit. Remember what, what Numbers says. It said some of the Spirit that's on Moses will be on these other 70 people. Just some of the Spirit. And the time, the Spirit came and go, came and went. It, it would be like, um, like, like King Saul had the Spirit, and then King Saul was bad, and then he lost the Spirit. And, and the Spirit would just kind of come and go in the lives of people, depending on how they were obedient to him. But when Jesus introduced this, this new covenant, it was totally different. Now the Holy Spirit was for all believers, all of them, from the least to the greatest. Not just the rulers, but every single person that followed Jesus would have God in them. The amount was all of the Spirit. 100% full access to the Holy Spirit, not just some. And the time, always with us for the rest of our lives. See, what Jesus brought was brand new, and what Jesus brought was so much better. This is why Moses and Ezekiel and Jeremiah were like, man, we cannot wait till the day when God comes to all his people. So why? Why is this so important? Why did the Holy Spirit come to all believers? We have to know why, or, or the Spirit's not going to make much sense to, us, sense to us. Here it is. You can't truly follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You can't truly follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. A, a really cool thing about this as you're writing is that like uh, the Bible calls, um, it's actually over here, it says the seal. And you might read that and you're like, is it talking about like an animal? No, it's talking about like the seal of our faith. Like, like that when we become Christians, God gives us the Holy Spirit as a seal as a sign that we are saved. This is a sign that we have eternity. This is a sign that we are not going to be forgotten by God. This is a sign that we are going to spend eternity with him, that we are children of the Most High King. The seal is such an important aspect of the Holy Spirit. He is a, 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 a evidence, an evidence that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And it's very important that you know, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in every single person, every single person that is following after Jesus, that has a relationship with Jesus. When you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit is put inside of you. God's presence is put in side of you. This is all amazing, right? This is all so cool. This is great history lesson. Man, we have it better than Moses. We have it better than the, the Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all the prophets. This is amazing. However, we have a problem. Here's our problem. We 
have forgotten about the Holy Spirit. We have forgotten about the Holy Spirit. And, and I say this, when I say we, I'm talking about especially in America, in American churches. We have forgotten about the Holy Spirit. If you were a, um, if you were a person that was raised on a desert island and, uh, and you never had an, the internet or an iPhone or anything to know what was going on in the outside world, and some plane just drove over your island and dropped down Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Those are the four Gospels, and Acts is like the book of the early church. And you were to read those books, and you knew nothing about Christianity. You knew nothing about church. You knew nothing about anything. If you were to read those books, you would, you would finish reading those and be absolutely 100% convinced. 100% convinced that the church and Christians were totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit was absolutely vital to following Jesus. That the Holy Spirit was vital to reaching other people. That the Holy Spirit was vital to avoiding sin. That the Holy Spirit would change everything. You would be convinced that the Holy Spirit would bring so much power on normal people, excuse me, that it would change everything. And yet... We don't see that. See, the Bible only describes a church powered by the Holy Spirit. The Bible only talks about a church that is driven and empowered by God in us. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no church. There is no Epworth. There, is no, there, there are no churches around. There, there is no in God we trust. There is no anything if, if there is no Holy Spirit. Like, like this whole Jesus movement, we wouldn't even know Jesus' name if the Holy Spirit had not come to be with his people. And yet we've forgotten. We've forgotten. We try to do everything on our own. Man, and it's, it's us like as individuals, but it's also churches. Man, we'll, we'll come up and we'll say, here's five ways to love better. Here's five ways to, to serve. Here's five ways to be more generous. Man, man, sometimes we'll get up at church and we'll just try to entertain instead of encounter. We'll, we'll, we'll try to just try to figure out some way to, to make Jesus seem cool. And we'll try to do it on our own. Man, you guys will leave Epworth, and, and, and you'll try to just do it on your own. You'll be like, man, I, I hope I figure this whole thing out. I, man, I hope I can, I, I can go home, and I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to figure this thing out, and I am going to be better this time. And after three days, you're like, I give up. I can't do it. Why do we do this? Why do we put ourselves through this? Why are we so intent on trying to do it alone? Man, I think, I think part of it's we're just scared. We're fearful of a power inside of us that is greater than us. Right? Because, like, if there is a God inside of us, we should probably listen to him. And that scares us. Because we're like, well, well I got my own deal. I, I'm trying to do my own thing. I, I want to make my own decisions. What if he tells me to do this? What if he tells me to stop doing that? I don't, I don't want to do that. Man, we're scared of the supernatural Maybe we look at people up here worshiping and we're like, oh, I don't know about that. That's, that is weird. That is strange. And so we run. We hide. And it's like we think like Jesus is like safe, but the Holy Spirit's too dangerous. And we started to treat God and Jesus like they are great. And then we treat the Holy Spirit like he's some crazy cousin that we don't really want to deal with, but we'll go hang out with him on a weekend three times a year. But, but the truth is, God said 
the Holy Spirit is going to drive this whole deal. Jesus said, I'm leaving so that the Holy Spirit can come. And we are paying the price. We are paying the price for ignoring the Holy Spirit. I have paid the price for trying to do it on my own. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough daddy. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not a good enough person. You're God, you guys, you're not good enough. You can't figure it out on your own. You can't try to get everything going on your own. You cannot do it on your own. We are paying a price. And the price is that we're trying to do it on our own instead of following after the Holy Spirit. And so let me tell you something. If you are in this room, maybe you're in this room, you're like, man, I come to church all the time. Uh, I I know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in me. I I just want to give you a word. For those of you who maybe maybe you're like, I've I've been to a million efforts. I kind of get this whole thing. We are never done with God. Let me say that again. We are never done with God. You don't even, I can't even understand myself. I can't even understand my wife. I can't even understand my friends. How am I supposed to understand God? Like, that's craziness. And yet we say, oh, well, I read that Bible, that Bible story. I, I've, re- I've done that quiet time. I've been to Epworth a few times, so I got it handled. I got it figured out. Yeah, Holy Spirit, God in us. This is so much more than that. We've got to understand God is eternal. God is infinite. God cannot be stopped. His power is all-consuming, and he will change everything. We can't just understand him. We have got to understand that there is always more. There is always more. You know what? Listen to this. This is crazy. The early church, the early church, they didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Nothing. They didn't have a book. They didn't have Epworth. They didn't have a a sermon series. Here's what they knew. Well, Jesus said he was going to send someone. That's it. That's it. Jesus said he would send someone. And yet they experienced the Holy Spirit like crazy. See, we got to get over this knowledge thing. In America, we're all like, I got the internet, I got my iPhone, I can look up everything. It's not about knowledge. It's about experience. Man, the early church, they experienced the Holy Spirit. They knew he was real. They experienced his power. They saw his power. They didn't make it all about knowledge because they had no knowledge. There was nothing to know except Jesus said he would leave somebody behind. He would send someone when he left. And so our goal this weekend, our mission this weekend is to know and experience the Holy Spirit. Don't you want to do more than just sing songs? Don't you want to do more than just know stuff? Don't you want to know more than just talk? Don't you want to know more than just theories about God? Don't you want to see him? Don't you want to know him? Don't you want to feel him? Don't you want to see people healed? Don't you want to see people change? Don't you want to destroy sin and conquer sin? Our goal this weekend, our goal this weekend is to see the Spirit come. Everybody say, Spirit come. Spirit come. Spirit come. This is our goal this weekend, is we want to see the Spirit come into this place. We want to experience Him in a mighty, mighty, mighty life-changing way want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is real because we have felt him and because we know him. So let's stand together. Let's stand together and let's worship our God.